Turn in your Bibles to John, the fourth chapter. This morning we will talk about always a worshiper. John chapter four, and we'll look at a couple of different passages. First ones, verse seven through 10 of John chapter four. And this is when Jesus was heading through Samaria and he, and he stopped at the well for a drink of water. And verse seven says this, a woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would give you living water. And then over the next few verses, Jesus explains to her the the living water and we're gonna jump down to verse 16. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is here now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, for, thank you for this gathering today. Thank you for a wonderful season of worship where we experience your presence. You inhabit the praises of your people. Your dear God, we ask you at this time to inhabit this place. We come from all walks of life, from all parts of, of the surroundings, all parts of the country, yet God, our one desire is to know you and to make you know in all the, all the world, dear God. So take this small time that we have together today. And would you speak through me, Lord, that your word would be heard and by the power of your spirit would be made clear that you will teach us according to your word, according to your heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Last Sunday, if you were here, it, uh, I took a brief time during the, during the welcome and I shared with you some observations that I had made over the years. And one of those observations is that if you are a school teacher, hands, school teachers, we have numerous school teachers in, in the building with us today. And simply because you leave school and you go home for the night doesn't mean that you cease to be a teacher. Isn't that correct? You're always a teacher. And if you're a first responder, you don't cease, cease to be one simply because you've left the firehouse, because you have been trained to be always on the ready. So you're always ready. You're always a first responder. If you're a, if you're a, a policeman, 
We know that you're always familiar with your surroundings. I learned, I learned an important lesson one time, Alan, and, and you correct me if I'm wrong. I, I knew this police officer, and, and I walked up behind him. I tapped him on the shoulder. Big mistake. Don't go up to a police officer and tap him on the shoulder because your head's probably going to get knocked off. They're always familiar with, with their surroundings. And so best idea is walk around. Got a question for you. A policeman is always a policeman because they're always aware of their surroundings. And because I know so much about farming, <laughs> I know that, well, I know that you're not just a farmer March through October, or you're not just a farmer when you're sitting on your equipment. I'm guessing, and it's a guess, that you're always looking at soil conditions and, and weather patterns. Dave, is that correct? Is that right? <laughs> and those of us who are parents, just because for the day when our kids are away from us at, at school or if finally they've gotten a clue and they realize that they're old enough to be out on their own for good, just because they're out of the house, whether it's for a day or whether they're out of the house living on their own for good, it doesn't mean that we cease from being parents. We're always parents. And much like a pastor is always a pastor, a pastor is always ready, a worship leader as well is always a worship leader. Whether it's up here on stage whether it's at the mall or whether it's at the family table or wherever it may be, a worship leader is always a worship leader. And my experience as a worship leader has taught me some valuable lessons over the years. And, it, and one thing that God showed me was to, he challenged me to not just consider myself a worship leader, but that let's turn the words around. He challenged me to be a lead worshiper. Not to simply conduct others, you all do this, you all do that, you all do this, you guys, you're doing a great job, you do your part. Not to simply lead others and conduct them, but that in everything that I do, as I'm, as I'm up here leading worship, as Carlin is leading worship, as Tiffany is leading worship, and on and on, is that my role is that I would be a lead worshiper, to be an example of worship for others to follow. You know, a boss... A boss will tell you what to do, but a good leader will be out front leading the charge. Let me say that again. A boss will tell you what to do, but a good leader will be out front leading the charge. Leading a corporate worship is a unique ability and a unique responsibility. Not everybody was, was born or cut out to lead worship. I thank God. I thank God for you, Carlin. I thank God for you. Unique ability and unique responsibility that you do so humbly and with, and with so, much, so much skill. Leading corporate worship is unique in its ability and its responsibility. But living out worship is the responsibility of every born-again believer. It's our responsibility to live out worship. What's it say in James 1? To consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kind. Because you know that the faith, faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work 
so that we might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So when the stuff of life happens, let's be examples of, of worship and consider it pure joy because even Jesus endured the cross that was before him for the joy that was on the other side. You and I have a great responsibility to be worshipers always. In the midst of our trials, in the midst of the stuff that we go on, is that the joy of the Lord be our strength, that we endure, that we go through, and that we allow the process of God to strengthen us and to work in us. Consider it pure joy, and may we live out worship, because many of you know, especially you musicians, that anybody can come up here to play great music. Anybody who's a musician can come up here and play great music. But that doesn't mean they have the call to be a worship leader. Very few can lead worship with a pastoral heart because that's what it takes. It takes the heart of a pastor to lead a congregation in worship. And I thank God that we have that role filled here. The idea of, of always being a worshiper, it translates into everything Everything I do. It'll be, it might be kind of corny, but if somebody says, well, what do you do? I'm a worshiper. But you know, it's, it's, it's true. There's, it, it, it's true. I'm a believer in Jesus, so I'm a worshiper. I love it when, you know, when folks, when you ask them how they're doing, I know uh, Tom and a few others, how are you doing? I'm better than I deserve. Well, that's true. And what a, what a great way just to acknowledge that we don't deserve what, what we have. And it's a reminder that the, the price that Jesus paid for us in our unworthiness, is, it's a gift from God uh, to us. So to say, I'm better than I deserve is true. And then to also say, if we're a believer in Jesus, what do you do? Well, I'm a worshiper. And that would be a reminder for us to live it out every day. You know, the people that are following you are most likely going to emulate you. Parents, kids are watching. Teachers, kids are watching. Employers, employees are watching. Pastors, congregation is watching. They may not follow you or emulate you at the same level as you, but they're, but they're looking hard at your example. So what example are we setting for those who are in the position to look to us? So today, let's look at some things about authentic worship. We're going to look at some things about authentic worship today. First of all, worship is not secondary. It's not something that we come here to do that's just filler time. It's essential. I have, a, I have a, what I consider a funny story, and you may, you may relate to it as well. A long time ago, if you were in a contemporary church in the late 80s into the early 90s in that era... You remember the worship songs that we, that we sang, and that's where the term 7-Eleven came from, because those early worship songs, you'd sing the same seven lines 11 times. <laughs> and, and worship music kind of took a, 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 a bad rap because of that, and people still reference worship music as 7-Eleven songs, and it's not true anymore. But uh, back in, I think it was the early 90s, we were in, we were in church, our kids were, were little, and... and uh, I was in a horrible mood. You ever been to church? You ever come to church and you're just in a bad mood? Something happened? And I'm sure that Tina and I had gotten in a fight on the way to church. I, I'm, I'm sure that's what it was. Our kids were little, and so I'm just sure that's, that's what it was. So we were sitting there. We were standing. I had my, 
I had my hands on the pew in front of me because I was mad, so I wasn't going to worship. And we were singing, we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. We were singing that song. And here I was singing this song in just a horrible mood, horrible mood. I was mad. And in God's grace, I just can, I can just remember this, this moment, this moment during worship, during that song. It wasn't a physical tap, but it was like God reminding me, just kind of saying, you, do you see? Do you see what you're doing? and the example that, that you're setting. And the conviction of God was, was, was very strong, but it made me smile. I mean, his grace was poured out on me. And so I just realized what I was doing. I was singing this, we bring the sacrifice of praise into the house. No, no joy, no desire uh, to sing. But I, I realized, I realized what I was doing and worship had become secondary. Worship was not a priority of mine. I had let that stuff come into church with me and we're all, we're all guilty of that. I realize that. And there's, there's nothing magical. It just, you gotta lay it down. You just gotta lay it down. And sometimes in the process of worship, that stuff gets dealt with and laid aside. But worship is essential. It's not something that we simply begin our week with or as a, as a filler on Sunday. In verse 16 of our, of our text, when Jesus confronts the Samaritan woman about her five husbands, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't uh, repent. She doesn't acknowledge that she's had five husbands. She changes the subject. She doesn't, she's, basically all she says is, wow, you're a prophet. And then she begins talking to him about worship. And she says, well, we, we worship here at this place. And you Jews, you worship at that place. And so Jesus replies by saying, well, the time has come that God is looking for those who will worship him in spirit and truth, not just on a mountain, not just here or there, but in everywhere, in all times, in every circumstance. And when we come together on Sunday mornings, worship cannot be secondary. Worshiping God, what does worship do? Worship prepares our hearts. In, in myself, when I, when I get to just sit and just enjoy worship, it's preparing me. It's preparing me because the word of God is going to be open and presented to me. And when the word comes, it washes us. It cleanses us. It prepares us. It challenges us. I love a challenging word. And sometimes my, my wife, she... she and she's not here today, so I have all the freedom in the world. <laughs> that she, She's doing her second favorite thing, and that's being with our grandkids. Uh, but she goes, why don't you preach something a little lighter today? <laughs> and sometimes I, sometimes I try, but it doesn't, you know, it just, it doesn't come out that way. I mean, we have a responsibility. We have, uh, we have a responsibility, not just to, I mean, yeah, pat you on the head. I love what you're doing. God bless you. Let me pray for you, you know, but, uh, but we who have this, this responsibility, Rob, is to, is to challenge and to, and to step on toes and to make it hurt sometimes because, I mean, we hurt when, when God deals with us. It's, sometimes it's, it's painful it changes us. And that's important that we come into God's house experiencing worship and the, to allow the power of the Holy Spirit through his servant to, to deal with us, to let his word come alive in us, 
that we should always be worshipers, not just here, not just when we come, come there, or not just first thing in the morning or, or late at night, but there we are. We're always worshipers wherever we go and whatever we do. And sometimes when we come together like this, distractions will happen. I love, I love that Pastor Mark, you know, if there's, a, if there's a kid acting up, he deals with it, you know? I would like you to go out there so your kid will be quiet because it's a distraction for other people. Not so much a distraction for him, but other people around who need to hear if there are distractions in the service, it can hinder somebody from, from uh, numerous things. Salvation, uh, diving in what, what God is, is speaking to them. So, you know, we have the, the potential here of having technical difficulties, but again, praise God for the people that are here that understand the, uh, the way things work and we're here early enough to those things get dealt with way before you all are in the seat. And the, uh, the worship here, the, the, the lights and the sound, it serves, it serves to enhance it serves to enhance worship rather, to, rather than uh, detract from it. And, you know, if I'm preaching on a Sunday and if I'm, if I'm not up, up here worshiping, if I'm down here worshiping, what kind of example is it for you if I'm going through my notes during worship? Wow, how, dis, how disrespectful is that to God, for one thing, that I would place a priority on on my notes rather than worshiping God. And second of all, how disrespectful is that to these guys who are up here and preparing like they prepare week in and week out. They work so hard during the week on their own time and come here early on Sunday mornings to get it all together, to honor honor God, glorify him so that your worship experience is so welcoming. And so drawing, how disrespectful to them if I'm sitting there making sure my notes are right. Or if you see me out here and I'm not singing or I'm just half-hearted, half-heartedly singing, what kind of example is that for you? That, well, I've got a leader here that's, that's not worshiping, must not be very important. It's important. It's important that we come into this place and that we worship him. He inhabits the praises of his people. How powerful is it that when you and I come together in this corporate place, that we worship him, that we let go and that we worship him and we give him honor because he is worthy of our praise. I'm grateful for the, for the worship teams that work so hard. They thoughtfully, listen to this, these people, they thoughtfully, they plan out these services and they skillfully lead us. It's not just haphazardly put it together, put together. It's done with skill and with great time. And I believe that we can be so disrespectful if we just sit there or we just stand there and we don't put out any effort to worship God when we come together. Number two, worship is evangelistic. When the Samaritan woman changed the subject from her infidelity to, to worship, Jesus went with it and he taught her the value of true worship. And in, this, and in this experience with Jesus, it changed her life. It was evangelistic. This is, I wanted, I've, I've wanted to say this in this church 
for a long time. Don't be afraid to pour out your heart in worship. Don't be afraid to pour out your heart in worship. I believe this to be true. Somebody here, and I know this more than one, somebody here is looking to break out. Thank God for Sam Thomason. I thank God that she is an example of breaking loose in worship, not caring who hears her or sees her. There's somebody else in this place that that is speaking to, and you're looking for an opportunity, a time for the guts to break out in worship. And we're gonna get to what that does in just a little bit as well. Don't be afraid to pour your heart out in worship because chances are somebody is looking at your sincerity of worship and it will have an impact on their lives. It just may speak to them that they need Jesus. They may have an understanding of what's going on in your life and they see you worshiping in spite of your life. It will have an impact on them. People are looking for authenticity today. Be authentic in your worship. I understand it's easy to sit on your hands. I understand. I understand this is, I understand this is a start. You know, you, you walk, you crawl before you walk, before you run, before you train for the Olympics. I understand. But there is a starting place. The challenge is be authentic in your worship. Number three, worship is life-changing. Not only will authentic worship impact the lives of those around you, but it will change your life. Worship will change your life. When we worship, we encounter the living God. The Samaritan woman encountered the living God through his son Jesus, and it changed her life forever. In verse 29, we didn't go that far, but in verse 29, she says, she ran out, she told people, come see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? When Moses approached the burning bush, he encountered the living I am. He entered as a timid, stuttering, resistant shepherd, did Moses. And he prayed, after a period of time, he prayed, God, show me your glory. And God said, you can't, you can't see my full glory. You'll die. But I will let you see a portion of me as I pass by. And it changed Moses forever. And when he came down from the mountain, he had to veil his face so that others couldn't, they wouldn't look upon the, the physical changes that Moses experienced from being in the presence of God. And when he came down from that encounter, he came down with revelation from God that he was the deliverer of God's children from bondage. It changed his life. Hebrews 4.16 tells us, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know, there's that, there's, there's that balance of coming into God's presence. We come with confidence. Yet as Moses, we came, we come with humility. We come with, with, with that reverent fear knowing that we could be struck dead at any moment. But Hebrews tells us, to draw near to God, to draw near the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive the mercy and grace in time of need. Draw near in worship. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Lay your life bare before God and watch him change your circumstance. And he will. 
He will change your circumstance. Whatever your circumstance is, that you're tired of it, and you're ready for a change in your life, authentic worship, coming into God's presence, experiencing God, it will change your life. Number four, worship overcomes. This goes along with that. Worship overcomes. Show me a follower of Jesus who has overcome much in their life. That'll show you a worshiper. Show me a follower of Jesus who has overcome much in their lives. And I will show you a worshiper. Hebrews 12, verse two says, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Authentic worship removes the woe is me attitude and replaces it with selfless gratitude. Gratitude comes from being in the presence of God. Don't you love being around grateful people? Don't you love being around those who are thankful in the midst of circumstance? that they still worship God because of his goodness. And I tell you what, I don't, I don't believe that, that Kenny and Joy Patterson are here this morning. You're not, are you? Joy, 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 you're here. Praise God that you're here. I went and saw Joy in the hospital a couple of weeks ago. She had just experienced a heart attack. Her husband has cancer. Her grandson has been in the, in the hospital for 14 months since the day he was born, he's been in the hospital trying to figure out what it is that this little boy has that they can, that they can get it right. And I'm talking to Joy in the hospital. And I say, I'm, so, I'm just so sorry about all these things that are going on in your life. And she said, Brian, I am so thankful for what God has done in my life. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You really feel that way? I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful for for God and the work that he's doing in my life and in my family's life. What a testimony, Joy. What a testimony that is that that we, we do, we endure the cross for the joy that is before us just as Jesus. What What an example of worship that was to me, Joy. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yes, thank you. Being around grateful people is easy. It's great because it rubs off. It rubs off on you. My situation, my situation is not too bad. Praise God. Praise God. Finally, worship is life. Worship isn't a fleeting moment or a mood that we create. Worship isn't a style of music or a concert that we go to. Some people go to church every week and they call it worship when really they've just been to a concert. As a music guy, I, I'm thankful. I thank God that, that worship music, true worship music has, has grown in popularity and it actually has emerged as the style of music that is most listened to today. Uh, that's awesome. I'm grateful for that. I think th- that's something God is doing that we're replacing the, the garbage with stuff that, that draws us to the Father. 
but we can't simply listen to the latest fad in Christian music and honestly say that we're worshiping God. True worship is, is, is deeper than that. It's more fulfilling than simply downloading the newest third day song and say, oh, well, well I'm, I'm worshiping. It's third day, I'm worshiping. Because it's more than that. It's a lifestyle. I want to live my life in wonder and amazement of what God has done and what he's doing and what he desires to do. You know, there are angels, there are worship angels that their sole existence revolves around singing holy, holy, holy around the throne of God. And for what other reason would they sing holy, holy, holy unto God other than he is worthy, reason enough in itself. But what reaction do you give when you see something cool for the first time? Whoa, cool. That's awesome. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that that worked like that. That's, that's really cool. Those, that's the way we react to, to things. Here we have angels that they're in the presence of God since whenever they, whenever they were created. And all they do is they, is they worship at the throne because they see something new about God that causes them to sing, holy, holy, holy. We worship you, O Lord God Almighty. All over again, there's something new about God, something that they haven't seen before that he reveals to them. And they sing, holy, 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 are you Lord God Almighty. How much more should we be in wonder and should we live our lives in wonder and amazement of the things of God that he shows us every day. I, want, I don't want to figure God out. I don't want to live this life thinking that I have God figured out. How boring would that be going forward? I love it when I see something different in his word and he reveals it to me. I'm like, I didn't know that. Holy are you, Lord God. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty. I worship you. You are so good. Wonder and amazement. I don't want that to stop. I don't ever want that to stop for my life. I always want to be living in that wonder and amazement for God, in God's goodness. Even when it hurts, even when it hurts, God bring it because it reveals something about you that I've, I've never seen before. And I know that he has the best intentions for me, even though it hurts, even though it's those times of, of stretching and prodding and, and doing stuff I don't want to do. It's for my, it's for my growing. It's for your growing. He wants us to look like Jesus. And the only way that we look like Jesus is, is it says numerous times in the Bible is that we're the, the real evidence of being a true follower of Jesus is that we share in his sufferings. When we share in his sufferings, then we know that we're looking more and more like Jesus. And what an example the apostle Paul was to us as well. He didn't care about his life. He didn't care. He only wanted to Make Jesus known. And he did whatever he could to see that happen. His life was a living worship. John 4, 23, Jesus says, the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking 
such people to worship him. Let's pray. Dear God, we honor you today. We worship you today. Dear God, I'm praying in the name of Jesus, would you show yourself afresh to the hearts and minds of these people here today, maybe for the very first time. Somebody here today, I, we, I don't know what this Jesus stuff is all about, but it sounds like it's something that I need. Yes, you desperately need Jesus today. Lord, I pray for those that are followers of Jesus that you would, you would bring a very special, renewed revelation of your goodness, of wonder and amazement, dear God, that we would love you with our whole heart. We would follow you with all that we have and that we would be a living example of worship. All that we say and all that we do, that the desire of our heart would always be to lift up Jesus that others will see Jesus in us. Have your way for the remaining portion of this service, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please stand? This time of, of ministry is a time for, it's time for you to do the business with God that, that you need to do. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm not even guessing. I know in my spirit that there are a number of people here that have been dealing with the fact that they want to be a worshiper. They want to be an exuberant worshiper. But pride and, and just, well, that's pride. It's holding you back. And really, when it gets down to it, desiring to be a, an authentic worshiper and to, and to break loose is really not a matter of coming down here. It's just a matter of doing it. It's just a matter of doing it, being in, in a worship service and just saying, you know what? I don't care anymore. Here I am, God. Woohoo! And today, if you're here and you've never You've never said yes to Jesus. You've never acknowledged the fact that in your life that you are a sinner, that you have fallen short. The Bible says in Romans, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have Jesus as the glory of God, the perfect one. We have each one fallen short of that ideal, that perfection. Every one of us, we've fallen short of it. And he paid the price because it took perfection to pay the sin penalty for, for you and for me. It took perfection. That this is an opportunity for you to say, yes, I realize that, that I have fallen so short, that my life is a mess, and you know, really my life may not even be that bad, but because I was born, that means I'm a, I'm a sinner. I need to turn around. I need to turn from, from that stuff. And to repent means to change your mind, to turn around and walk the other way towards God. Some of you need to take care of that business today. Whatever your need today, whether you want to stand in for somebody, whether you need healing in your body or your mind, you come and there will be somebody to, to meet you here. Whatever your need is at this time, please come and meet Jesus as we sing.
Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you to continue to, to pray boldly for our pastor. Something that, that God has began to challenge me in, to convict me of, is that we have been given the authority to pray for the sick. You have been given the authority in Jesus' name to heal the sick. And so often we get into this this place where we just ask and we ask and we ask and we ask and we ask and that's normal for us to ask. God, would you do this? God, would you do that? And I'm definitely not saying that that is, that that is wrong, but I, I'm not really sure that if that's scriptural. What did, what did Peter and John say when they came, when they came to the, the cripple? When he was, he was expecting to get something from them and they said, silver and gold, I don't have, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus, walk. Amen? They didn't say, well, I don't have anything, but let me ask God who can do it, who will do it, certainly can, but that's not the example that we see in Scripture. You have been given authority. I have been given authority to, to pray for the sick and to heal the sick. Let us change our dynamic and our thinking that instead of just asking because we know we're supposed to do it. We know we're supposed to do it. Why are we asking God if it's okay, if you have time, God? We'd like our pastor to be healed, but you know, but you've got to do it. You've got to do it. And yes, it's the power of God. It's the power of God, but it's responsibility of you and for me to speak to that sickness in the name of Jesus and command it to go. And it's not just for our pastor. There are people in this church, there are people in your life, there are people that you work with that we pray for. We're faithful in our prayer, but we might not be praying in the right way. And all it takes is a mustard seed of faith. Yet sometimes we don't even know if we have a, a mustard seed. Let's pray with the authority that that God has given us, that we speak in the name of Jesus for that, for that spirit to be gone, for that cancer to be gone, for that evil spirit that's messing with whomever it is to be gone. Because Jesus said, I have given you the power to trample on scorpions and demons. So do it. <laughs> Let's stop asking God to do for us what he's already told us to go and do. Can we do that? Amen. We're going to pray for Mark. Greg's going to stand in for him.
the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we pray boldly in the name of Jesus for our pastor. Lord, you have given us authority to cast out demons. You have given us authority to heal the sick. You have given us authority and the commission to go. And Lord, we go and we take authority in the name of Jesus. We take authority over the demon of cancer that is in our pastor's body, in his brain and in his body. In the name of Jesus, we speak to you, oh cancer, and we tell you to go in the name of Jesus. I speak to Pastor Mark's body in the name of Jesus and I say, be healed in the name of Jesus. Be made whole by the authority of Jesus' name because the blood of Jesus has paid every price. The blood of Jesus has paid every price and has taken our place and that we now live victoriously. And we can say that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive in us and through us. And we speak to this cancer and we say, we give you no room. We do not give you a place. We do not give you the authority to be there. You must leave in the name of Jesus. Will everybody agree with me? And will you say, cancer, be gone from our pastor's body in the name of Jesus? Because we can, because we will, we will continue to do so. Jesus has given us the authority and the command to do so. And Satan, you must bow your knee and acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God and that by virtue of his blood, we are children of God, co-heirs of God. And we say to you, go away in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, as we are bold witnesses, I pray, dear God, that you would honor, that you would honor the desire of our heart, that you would honor, Lord, the, uh, the boldness. And I ask you, Lord, to increase our boldness, dear God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Lord, that we would learn how to pray, that we pray that as for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, there is no sickness in heaven. There is no cancer in heaven. There are no, there's no reason to be redeemed in heaven. Lord, we believe that on earth as it is in heaven, that we can be redeemed on earth as it is in heaven. We can be healed on earth as it is in heaven. We can pray for the, the lives of people to line up with the word of God on earth as it is in heaven. Everything in heaven is perfect. And we pray in boldness and authority. And we speak to the body of our pastor and we say, line up with the word of God and be made whole according to the authority of Jesus' name. Thank you, God. 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 In Jesus' name we pray. And we give you thanks. We honor you for you are worthy of praise. And we say unto you, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, worthy of praise worthy of praise. May we be changed, Lord, by experiencing the great I am. Because it is in his awesome, mighty, matchless name that we pray and we humble ourselves before. 
and we say, amen, 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 amen. Bless you, my brother. Amen. 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 Let me say this. Be bold in sharing your faith this week. I don't have to tell anybody here that times are short. That the things that we experience in, in this world today are not, are not good. Let's be bold in sharing our faith. Tell somebody about Jesus. Be an example of worship wherever you go. Press through. Press through. Consider it pure joy that others may see Jesus. Lord, we thank you for, for today and for, for who you are. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would continue to show us, open our blinded eyes, dear God, that we may see you for how you want us to see you, that our lives would be changed and in turn, the lives of others will be changed. Hallelujah. We give you honor. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. You're dismissed. Amen. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.